Welcome to Lawyers Living Well, a production of the State Bar of Georgia's Attorney Wellness Committee and the Lawyers Assistance Program. Lawyers, this is your resource for all things wellness. It is our goal to encourage you to live well. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Lawyers Living Well podcast. I'm Lynn Garson, Chair of the Lawyer Assistance Program of the State Bar of Georgia, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing State Bar President Daryl Sutton. Mr. Sutton, as Bar President, you have always had an eye out for the wellness of Bar members, beginning long before the pandemic and certainly now more than ever. Given the current stresses of isolation, concerns about reopening, and general uncertainty, It's an opportune time to ask you a few questions about wellness, both as bar president and on a personal level. My first question, as Chief Justice Melton mentioned at the end of my interview with him, your job as bar president stepping up to handle the COVID crisis has been outstanding. What was your primary focus at the outset and how has that changed over time? Well, first, Lynn, thanks for having me and give me this opportunity. I, um, it's kind of bizarre for me to take a compliment like that from the chief. Uh, he's an exemplary person, an exemplary jurist, an exemplary chief justice, and an exemplary human being. So having him say something like that about me is a, makes me a bit uncomfortable, if I'm being honest. Um, but I appreciate him saying that. You know, I think that from the outset, we've done what we're continuing to do now, which is issues arise. We triage and process those issues, identify a solution to them, and then do our best to implement that solution. I also feel kind of weird taking a compliment like that because I don't know that what we've done is in any way more extraordinary than what any anyone else who was in this position would have done under the circumstances. Things have come up that we never anticipated arising, and you are dealing with a set of circumstances that are unprecedented, at least for us here in the United States and especially within our profession here in the state of Georgia, we've remained mindful of our obligation to do what's best for Georgia's lawyers. And each time something's happened, we've tried to find a solution that keeps that in mind and serves the best interests of Georgia lawyers and have then worked with whoever we needed to work with to implement that solution. So that's, that's what we've done from the, from the get-go, and that's what we continue, we're continuing to do. Do you have any examples of things that you had to adapt to? I know you do. Yeah, I've got a couple. So each spring, the State Bar's Board of Governors uh, votes upon a dues rate for the upcoming bar year. And since the beginning of my presidency, we have worked really hard to adjust the State Bar's operations so that we are operating within a balanced budget. The, The Executive Committee of the State Bar met just a few weeks before the pandemic really took hold and had settled upon a dues rate that was going to include a pretty substantial increase in member dues so that we could operate within that balanced budget. Obviously, with the pandemic taking hold and the economic fallout and effects of it taking hold, it became clear to us pretty quickly that that we could no longer uh, ask our members to pay an increased amount in dues so as to balance the budget and instead worked really hard with a couple of different entities to secure grants that enabled us to keep dues flat from one year to the next. Um, Why not 
doing irreversible harm to the bar's financial situation. And so that's an example. We, you know, an issue, an issue arose, we did our best to find the solution to it that best served Georgia's lawyers and then worked with the various stakeholders to see that that solution was implemented. And it was, and I'm thankful that we're going to be able to operate from a sound fiscal position going forward, but at the same time, not shift a burden, an additional financial burden to our members in order to do so. And it's all because of some creative outside the box. I hate that phrase, but we use it all the time. Thinking by the bar's leadership and the various stakeholders in, in the legal system in Georgia. Thank you. That's an excellent example. And I don't know, maybe I'm the Lone Ranger, but I didn't know about that. And I'm glad to hear of it. And I think everybody will be glad to hear about it. Yeah, you know, I, Georgia now has more than 50,000 lawyers. In fact, we have more than 51,000 lawyers. And I, I don't know how much, even during normal times, most of those 51,000 lawyers know about the the day-to-day -day operations and inner workings of the bar. But among the many things that will result from this pandemic, there are bad, but there are also a lot of good. And I hope that one of those good things is that people will realize just how hard the staff at the State Bar of Georgia and the bar's leadership and the leadership of the Supreme Court work to make it as easy as possible for Georgia's lawyers to practice law. And I'm glad you said that too. Chief Justice Melton a number of times said, well, there's obviously a huge downside, terrible downside to the pandemic. There have also been some things that have been positive and that will be ongoing that will come out of it. And I'm glad you mentioned that. And if you think of that as we go on with other topics, that would be great. Um, well, as I mentioned in starting out, you have been a tremendous supporter of wellness for the bar. And I just wondered what particular concerns about our colleagues have led you over time to be so supportive? Yes, yeah, so I view my job as bar president. I viewed my job in various officer roles as I've gotten to the presidency to, to be one thing more than any other. And that is to do what is best for Georgia's lawyers. And it is an, an unfortunate reality, but a reality nonetheless, that wellness, especially the mental health perspective of wellness among our membership is a problem in and of itself. It is a struggle. Mental health is a struggle for far too many of our members. And if we are, as leaders, are going to do what's best for the profession, and wellness is such a peculiarly uh, important issue to our members at this point in time, that we need to do all we can to ensure whatever programming is necessary to aid in that wellness. Um, and it just, it's not just mental wellness, it's obviously physical wellness too, but for good reason, the mental wellness aspect of wellness takes precedent more often than not. And so part of it is just, I, I believe that we need to do what's best for Georgia lawyers and ensuring that Georgia's lawyers have all the resources they need to be mentally well is, is something that we, we focus on. I also, from a personal perspective, I've known some lawyers who have struggled with mental health issues, and I've unfortunately had lawyer friends who have succumbed to their mental health issues and have committed suicide. And for as long as there is any lawyer in our state, indeed in the United States, struggling with any mental health issue, and as long as there is any lawyer out there struggling with the idea of committing suicide, we should continue to do everything we can 
to provide those folks whatever resources they need to be well. And it's not until there are no longer lawyers struggling with mental health issues and no longer lawyers struggling with the idea of suicide should we stop our mental health initiatives. Well, as chair of the lawyer assistance program, that's certainly something I love to hear. Hate that we have to talk about it, but we do, and you're right. You know, I think it's wonderful that at least we live in a time where we're talking about this, because when I first started practicing law, nobody, and even maybe 15 years ago, nobody was talking like that, not at all. This is pretty recent to have such a focus statewide and also nationwide with the ABA on wellness, with the ABA Wellbeing Pledge and, and all of the things, all of the initiatives that are now out there. Um, so that's the big picture. Taking care of ourselves as individuals is the smaller, more personal picture. And I wanted to ask you during this period what you've done to take care of yourself, you know, whether people have mental health issues or not, this period of social isolation and anxiety is pretty tough on everybody. Um, now, the, the Lawyers Living Well webpage on the, on the BAR website, as you know, talks about mental, physical, and social well-being. If you could, could you just give us an idea of what you've been doing from that standpoint? Yeah, so I don't know that I've found the answer, uh, and I, it's a day-to-day -day struggle for me as it is for many folks out there. From a physical standpoint, I've, I've recommitted myself to exercise. You know, I, I've not been able, like many folks, I've not been able to go to a gym for weeks, but I've used the resources I have at home to exercise at home. I've been fortunate enough to be able to go into the office many days, and my office is directly across the street from a national military cemetery, and we've had the good benefit of some really good weather over the past several weeks. And so I've, I've also, because of my position, have had a number of phone calls and conference calls that I don't normally have. And so I've gotten in the habit, it's a small thing, but it's been a great thing for me. I've gotten in the very small and small habit of taking those phone calls while walking through the cemetery. And from just being outside and being active, even though it's on a, on a lower level, just walking and being outside and being active while, while also doing work has had tremendous benefits. Um, and it's, I suspect something I'll continue even after the pandemic's over. It's, a, it's something that I've found by happenstance because of the pandemic that I think will have continue to have benefits for me going forward. From a social standpoint, I've just I've made a concerted effort to be in touch with people who are important to me, whether it be via text message or a simple phone call, or in some instances, you know, Zoom calls or, or other remote interaction. I've done my best to stay in touch with, with those who are important to me. And then I've tried to adjust my perspective too and, and realize that if my expectation, I, I think so much of our personal satisfaction is relative to our expectations. And if my expectation is that I'm going to have the same level of interaction with people that I did pre-pandemic, I'm going to be constantly disappointed because it's just not going to happen. And so I've, I've consciously made an effort to readjust my expectations about what real interaction is under these circumstances. That's a great answer. Um, a lot of that resonated with me. You know, you see a lot of, about being outdoors and how good that is. And I know for me, and a lot of what you said also sort of came down to discipline. I know that there have been many times when I've been working where I thought you really need to get up. You know, you need to stand up. You need to go outside. You need to walk around. It's a nice day out. 
and it's really a toss up, frankly, whether I've done it. And I think after this, I'm much more aware that I should err on the side of doing it rather than nobody's going to miss me for five minutes if I go outside and just breathe the air and just try to, you know, ratchet down whatever stress I'm under at that particular moment, I think. And it's such a low tech fix. You don't need anything. You don't need money. You don't need anything for that. So I think that's great. Well, your tenure as president is up pretty soon. I'm sorry for that, but I'd be happy for that. As as a matter of fact, um, you certainly got a curveball for sure. What is your vision for the bar going forward, considering that we will likely still be feeling the dislocation of this period for some time to come, no matter where we are in terms of reopening society? Yeah, I think that the vision is the same as it's always been. How we will execute upon that vision is now very different, and and in many respects is up in the air. I think our, the, the vision is continued, the continued delivery of service, beneficial service to our members and the continued delivery of protection of the public. How we have done that traditionally is, is no longer an option or at least won't be in the short term. And so I think that the vision is finding a way, continuing to find a way to deliver on those two items, considering our inability or substantial restrictions upon our ability to do so in person as we traditionally have. I think the bar is going to, as it has already, is going to have to adapt very quickly to the use of technology and other methods for delivering benefits to our members and for providing the service of protecting the public. And it's, it's a challenge. It's going to be a challenge. If you look at it or analogize it to a, to a medical patient, what I have done in the latter half of my term is triage the patient. We've encountered issue after issue that we've had to triage and, and stabilize. And as, as Dawn Jones becomes president and takes office, and then Elizabeth White behind her, and perhaps even Sally Akins behind her become president, it's going to be more of that rehabilitative care and, and actually getting the patient, the bar, uh, and what we do through the initial triage and treatment and back on its feet, doing what it did before it was injured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Long-term project. Very long-term. Very, very long-term project. Yeah. Uh, do you think that lawyers who are struggling, and that's for whatever reason, not necessarily COVID-related, are getting enough help through the bar? And if not, what might you suggest to improve what we're doing? I know you know that we've got the lawyer assistance program with the use your six, you know, the six prepaid sessions with a licensed clinical counselor. Everybody's got that every calendar year. We've got the peer program, which I know you know well, where it's a peer-to-peer volunteer uh, support system. This podcast is intended to be supportive in that way. But I don't really often get to ask what we're not doing. Uh, It's more of a push to get out what we are doing. I'm very curious to hear what you do think that we could do to improve what we're doing and what else we could do. Uh, I think relative to five years ago, we're doing leaps and bounds better than we did. When Bob Kaufman was president of the bar and launched this wellness initiative that that is the seed from, from which all of this has grown, I don't even think he had in mind the various resources and, and various branches of the tree that would grow from it. And then obviously under your leadership and 
and the leadership of others who, who manned the, the various committees and subcommittees that have implemented those initiatives, we, we're doing a, a far better job than we did. I don't know if I can identify a specific thing that we're not doing. What I can say is akin to what I talked about earlier, until we are delivering whatever is necessary to ensure that no Georgia lawyer is suffering or is struggling, we won't be doing it enough. And, and that's not to say that what we're doing is not good and what we're doing is not, in many respects, enough. It's, it's like anything else. Until we can completely eliminate the struggle of every Georgia lawyer, whether it be a physical struggle, a mental struggle, or a social struggle, then we're not doing enough. But that's that's more an identification of our motivation than it is a commentary or a criticism of the of the work that we are doing already. It's, I think it's a, it should be our motivation. It should be our goal to ensure that we're always doing and always developing and always implementing whatever's necessary to ensure that nobody is struggling. Well, I think one of the big issues, and you've made me think about it now, is getting out information about what we already have, the wellness page, the lawyer assistance program, the peer program. And one of the big things we run into is that a lot of attorneys are still concerned that, about issues of confidentiality. Mm -hmm. I have personally offered to prostrate myself on the floor of uh, presentations where I've said that things, everything you say is confidential other than risk of bodily harm, uh, imminent danger of bodily harm to yourself or others. Um, and that is a straight 911 call, no matter what. And it seems just an uphill battle to get people to believe that in fact, there is no pipeline from any of these programs to discipline. So uh, if you could offer a few words on that, that actually could be helpful. Take it from me, the guy who for just short of 12 months now has been at the helm of this organization. There is absolutely zero. In fact, it is a negative connection because we take such pains to ensure that it doesn't exist between our wellness initiatives and the Office of General Counsel, which conducts all of our disciplinary proceedings. There is absolutely zero connection. And in fact, we go so far to ensure that there is not that connection that I, I classify it as a negative connection because it's, it's almost rolled back beyond zero, the effort to which we go to ensure that no lawyer who utilizes any of our wellness or mental health programs is, is reported to or has anything about what they do reported to or connected with our disciplinary proceedings. I think the biggest thing that people may not realize that may assuage that fear is the fact that we use a third-party vendor to offer those six counseling sessions. I mean, it is, it's an entity that's not even a bar entity. It's a completely separate third-party entity with whom the bar contracts to provide those services. And they sure as heck understand, because they're a mental health service, understand the importance and the vitality to what they do in their process of complete anonymity and complete discretion in what they do. And I I can assure any lawyer who has those questions that there, there just is not that connection. Nothing that is said to or reported to or information that's provided to or said during, whether it be a counseling session with any of the counselors at Corp Care, or even whether it be a conversation that you have with a peer through the Lawyers Helping Lawyers program that, that has been developed over the last couple of years, it's not. It is, it is kept strictly confidential. Everybody who participates in that program understands that the program's only as effective as it is confidential. 
Thank you, because I'm too old to be prostrating myself and flinging <laughs> myself to the floor. So that was very, very, very helpful to me. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As we're about to wrap up, I just wanted to ask if you had any final thoughts you wanted to share. Yeah, it's hard to do, but I hope that everybody who's struggling right now can find at least one thing, one positive to focus on. And I, you know, I, I see them daily and I, you were, you were kind enough to suggest that I record a video that included my message of hope uh, and what, and, and where I find that hope. And it's in the small daily activities that I see and then things that people are randomly doing that just indicate that there is good in all of us. And I, I hope that everybody just takes a minute despite the comprehensive difficulty that we're all having because of the pandemic to, to find that one piece of good that they see that they can cling to for hope. Because I think if you, if everyone finds that one piece of hope and, and especially they find that, that more than one piece of hope, it can make a huge difference in, in, in how they feel and, and their ability to get through this. I, I'm positive that we're going to end up on the backside of this better than we were on the front side of it as we have time and time again throughout history. I'm not a big believer that history foretells the future. And if you look at any other scenario in history where we have endured a struggle like this, we've ended up not only making it through it, but ending up stronger and better for it on the backside of it. And I don't think this, that this is any different than that. But I hope folks will find the, those little nuggets of hope and, and cling to them. The other thing I want to say is I'm, I'm grateful for this podcast. I'm grateful for the work that you and your committee have done You've got the data. I don't have the data, but I know that in the first couple of weeks after the pandemic really took hold, the number of lawyers who were not previously volunteering to serve as peers in the Lawyers Helping Lawyers program who signed up to serve, serve as peers in that program was for me then and continues to be, it gives me goosebumps as I'm talking about it now, a, a piece of hope. I mean, if, if that many folks, that many lawyers in Georgia felt compelled to be there for another lawyer, that's as good an indication as any of how good we really are, not only as a profession, but as a people. And I, I hope that everyone can see that there's a lot of good taking place out there right now. You know, I've been fortunate uh, to interview you and Chief Justice Melton, and I haven't done a lot of this before, but in doing this, I understand what makes people leaders. And in this podcast interview. I, I see what makes you a great leader and, and thank you for that leadership. And thank you for your time today. I hope you and your family continue to stay safe and well. Uh, and the same to all of our listeners. And I hope that everybody will join us again for another episode of Lawyers Living Well. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Hi, I'm Lynn Garson, Chair of the Lawyer Assistance Program. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lawyers Living Well. If you need immediate confidential help, call the LAP hotline at 1-800-327-9631. That's 1-800-327-9631. You can also visit lawyerslivingwell.org for more wellness resources through the State Bar of Georgia. That's lawyerslivingwell.org. We hope you can join us next time.